baby. Here we go. We're back. Episode three, You Don't Look Like a Therapist. Myself, Mitchell Paulson, licensed professional clinical counselor, private practice therapy owner, Denver, Colorado, St. Paul, Minnesota, here tonight with one of my oldest, best friends of all time, baby. Just like last week when we had Ty on, I'm bringing another friend on tonight, someone else who knows a lot about the human experience, my old college roommate. We've known each other a long time. We went to grad school together. We're here tonight talking relationships. It's Valentine's Day week. Last night was Valentine's Day. A lot of people talking love, a lot of people talking relationships, a lot of people going through some hard shit that comes up with Valentine's Day. And here we go on the show tonight. Welcome to the podcast. My man, Joe Lilly. Joe, Joe, how you doing, buddy? Good, buddy. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm sitting over here drinking a uh, Orange Haze IPA from uh, what company is this? Uh, AC Golden Brewing Company in, in Colorado out here. It's local to uh, to where I'm at in Denver. I'm guessing it's in Golden. I mean, I don't know shit about this area yet, but uh, that's my guess, man. What are you drinking over there? What do you got going on, Jojo? You know, I got I to gotta represent local too. So I'm drinking a Reunion Brewery Tank Puncher IPA. Uh, yeah. And it's out of the Iowa City area. It's delicious. So it's hitting the spot on a Wednesday okay. night, man. It's what we do, Joe. You know, we love craft beers. I remember years and years ago when we used to drink like Coors Light and Bud Light, and then you got a little bit, you know, into the into the craft beer scene out of nowhere. You start drinking IPAs. I thought they were disgusting, and here we are, like twenty some years later, drinking IPAs on a Wednesday night together. Well, hey, what, you know, if you think about our friendship, man, so like go back fifteen years ago on a Wednesday night, where would be where would we go right now? Where would we be right now at this time? Oh, dude, we would be in La Crosse, Wisconsin. We'd be downtown on Third Street. We'd be at the library, and they had like $3 any beer in the entire freezer. And yeah. since we were a little bit older than every, all the college students at that point, we were the only two that were actually drinking craft beer for 3 bucks. And we thought we were really big shit because we were like, hey, look at all these craft beers we're drinking while everybody else is chugging like old Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, definitely not the uh, not not the library you'd want to be at probably back then that we should have been. But yeah, Goose Island, I think, was like the big craft beer. We we're so proud to drink it for three bucks. So it's Dude, unbelievable. Three one twos. Yeah. <laughs> 15 years ago. Long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. So Jojo and I, everybody tuning in on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're watching us uh, or listening to us right now. Thanks for being here tonight, number one. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, this is going to be one of my favorite episodes. Jojo is going to come back a lot. Uh, and so to give a little background on Jojo and myself, so we had our very first master's degree, our very first grad school class together. It was Foundations of Counseling, Winona State University, and Jojo, this is going to be great. So so we're sitting here, we're drinking craft beer. You got that gorgeous beard going on. I got a new shave and look at this fucking mustache. <laughs> that, <laughs> Pretty that good, thing, right? That thing is bucking, man. That's fierce. Yeah, buddy. I'm letting that thing go. You know, if you shaved your beard off and just left your mustache right now, you'd look like an absolute never else. savage. Or, or my dad, maybe. Unfortunately, I, I or your dad, the, the hair he can. But yeah, I mean, yeah, no, that, that mustache, man, is working for you. It's good. Nah, thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. So, so Joe, I'm going to tell people a little bit about how we met. So, Jojo and I, like I said, we had our first graduate or our first graduate school class together. Foundations of counseling. I had I had went to Winona State for my undergrad. So, you have no idea what you're going into when you get into a grad program. You, a bunch of professionals, a whole wide range of age differences. I walked into our foundations of counseling class, and it was me and Joe and one other guy and roughly 15 females at that point. Joe, is that is that pretty accurate? Yeah, I think I think we were pretty outnumbered, and, and there was just it was just me, you, and another dude. I think that was it. Yeah, 
And I remember walking in and being like, well, who's this fucking guy? You know, there's one other, <laughs> one other dude in there that kind of looked at me. We, we, a couple of roosters, you know, we, we backed up a little bit. <laughs> and, you're, and you're such a peacock, man. I mean, you're such a peacock <laughs> coming in there, peacocking around. Oh man, we were about, you know, 30 pounds lighter than we are now or something like that. And just a couple of little dudes. Uh, but it was so fun because Joe and I, you know, we had our, uh, our first class together. And I think actually that very first class, we kind of got paired up into, into partners or into groups. Uh, and, you know, by nature of us kind of sitting across from each other, kind of looked at each other. We're like, let's do this. And, and we had our first kind of interaction. We started talking about class a little bit, what we were supposed to do. We immediately went off the rails and started talking about South Park out of nowhere. And that <laughs> the friendship was born, man. Well, for me, I couldn't believe how, you know, I don't think people understand how mid Midwest nice works and how lucky, you know, like I was coming from Iowa and I didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. My, my now wife, she was finishing up school up in Minnesota. So I knew her, I knew a couple of her friends. So you go into an environment where you don't know anybody and you were just like, you're super welcoming. And like w within the first day I met you, you're like, Hey, come on down to Franklin. Let's, uh, let's hang out. <laughs> and I, I, uh, yeah, it changed my life. It's incredible that happened. And, um, yeah, I mean, you, you were instantly so warm and, and welcome and, and yeah, I mean, you, you know, you didn't have to. And here and, we are. And here yeah, we are. Here we are, man. This, this many years later, I appreciate it, Joe. It's, it's crazy to that idea of like just the, the welcoming face or whatever else. And I know we do it a lot as therapists, right? Like someone comes into our office for a consult or we jump on a, a telehealth, a zoom call, whatever platform we're using. And when someone comes in, like, it's a scary thing. You don't know somebody. You're already nervous about going into therapy, right? There's a lot of uh, therapy has a reputation. And, and so there's a lot of stereotypes about how therapy is going to go. And, and ultimately you're, you're coming in to get some kind of support. And it means just opening yourself up to a stranger. And you have absolutely no idea who's going to be on the other side of the door or on the other side of the Zoom call when you pop on. And there's an immediate relief when you find someone who, despite maybe being completely freaking covered in tattoos or a big beard or who knows how we look, but that welcoming face and just being open to, to other people, it makes a huge difference when someone's coming into therapy. And for you and I, I mean, honestly, that's what it was. We talk, we talk, give each other shit about like peacocking and whatever else, but dude, it was, it was an immediate connection, which was great. And, and after that, we, we had a bunch of classes together. We went through the, the program at Winona State, which I think you and I will both agree is still one of uh, what we consider one of the best programs uh, in the country. And so big shouts to, to WSU. We love that program a lot. Yeah, they're incredible. You know, and you talk about, you know, the, the welcoming and that kind of nature. I, I don't think that's anything that you can teach. I think that a lot of us are drawn to the field because, you know, you have uh, a desire and a, and a drive to be around others and the be open to others and it doesn't like I, I really like what you're doing too because it's it doesn't matter what you look like you might not look like a therapist and unfortunately some days i might look like an investment banker when i go to work but uh <laughs> you know i, I think uh it, it is about it, it doesn't matter what you look like it, it it really is about the connection that you make with others and how you make others feel and um i mean that's apparent i knew that when i met you i uh, go to grad school mm -hmm. and obviously it's translate you know just kind of translated to the work you do today. So, yeah, man, we, you know, a lot of us do do the best we can and, and you do it too. You're my favorite therapist I've ever, ever been around. I rely on you for a lot of my own personal, you know, supports that I need. We've been through a lot together, Jojo, just like I was talking about last week with Ty, you and I have been up, down, all around this world. We've been through a lot. We lived together for a while. 
we made a commitment years ago. We're talking relationships tonight on this on this episode, but that doesn't necessarily only mean romantic relationship. I mean, relationships can be friendships, family relationships, whatever. And so one of the things we're going to talk about, and we can just jump into it right now, is the idea of the commitment to the relationship and the intention behind helping it grow and keeping it strong. And that, I think, is foundational for any relationship is the idea of I know it takes work and I know it takes intention. Relationships don't just happen on their own. They don't just stay strong. You don't stay connected to people just by happenstance or by chance. You have to invest in those friendships or those relationships, marriages, whatever it is. And that was something you and I decided years and years ago. JoJo and I lived together. And then Joe, you went, you moved, you finished your internship and you moved back to Iowa to the Quad Cities to start doing your, your career. And I was uh, staying in lacrosse to, to finish some stuff up. And at that point in time, knowing we were going to be roughly four hours away from each other at that point, knowing that we were undergoing a pretty significant life transition, we made the commitment. At that point, it was like, dude, monthly or every other month, we're going to see each other. It doesn't matter. We're going to make this happen. We got to keep this going. We had grown to be as close as, as you could be, thick as thieves. And that was the moment. And here we are. That was roughly, I don't know, 10, 13 years ago or something like that. And guess what? We're still doing that shit to this day. Where are you going next weekend, Joe? Tell everybody what you're doing next weekend. Well, uh, I'm going to drive to a very small airport and hop on a plane to go uh, <laughs> go visit you, my friend, out in Denver. So a nice long weekend. Yeah. Perfect, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. And, yeah. you know, keeping the tradition up, I, it's it's super important. And like you talked about, it's a commitment. You know, it's, it's an mm -hmm. investment of time because you, you know, we have a lot of people in our, not, I shouldn't say a lot of people, we have, we have people in our lives that, you know, fill our cup and, and help us feel good about, about the world that we live in. And you're one of those people. And, and yeah, that commitment doesn't matter if it's romantic or if it's friendship relationship, it's, um, you know, it takes work, it takes effort. And sometimes that means hopping on a plane out of a small airport to see your buddy. For <laughs> weekend, so. That's right, buddy. It, it's true. And, and we've done that. We used to, so I lived in St. Paul, Joe's been in the Quad Cities. And at that point, we weren't driving, we weren't flying back and forth. We were driving and it was like six hours Almost every time we went back and forth, there happened to be a major freaking snowstorm, which would make it like eight hours or 10 hours. Every even time. So. <laughs> every time. It didn't matter. Every time. Every time. I was driving through a freaking blizzard or, or a sheet of ice to get to, you know, Minnesota for whatever reason. Every time. It was just, yeah. But it made it that much more, uh, you know, gratifying to land in St. Paul or wherever the heck you're at at that time in Wisco or wherever. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. And it's true. It's true. Like once, once you've decided the people that – that really fill your cup, those who bring joy, who fill your life with all the good stuff that we're looking for. I mean, I, I we hold on. I, I personally think you hold on to those people as hard as you can and as tightly as you can. And that doesn't mean that everybody you know, has to necessarily do this idea of like seeing each other pretty regularly like we have decided to do because life happens and, and things happen. And there's certainly points where you and I and, and the rest of the crew have went longer than we want to without seeing each other. But the foundational piece to this is deciding that these relationships or this relationship or this friendship means more to you than you realize it did and knowing that you want to hang on to that. And that's what the, you and I have done with our friendship. That's what our whole crew of friends have done. We're all tattooed together. We have all this good stuff. And I think as we're kicking this talk of this talk and this podcast off about relationships, initially the foundation is like, do you want to make the commitment? How important is this? It doesn't mean you need to travel or do all this other stuff. Or if it's your relationship, how important is it to you, your marriage, all this stuff. But if you're willing to make that commitment, the excuses of no time or this or that, they're true in many respects, but we all can find pockets of time. We all can find a, a day here to call someone or a night here or 10 minutes here or a weekend here. 
And that's what we've done. And I think that foundationally, I know, Joe, you're going to get into it here for us in a minute. Joe, Joe's been in a really long-term relationship, married, a couple of beautiful kids, and you guys have made it for a really long time. And these days, as crazy as it sounds, like there's not a lot of cats that get together at their late teens, really, really early 20s, and are still together and still strong and still loving it. And so you guys have. And so you and your wife, Kate, have made that commitment as well. Like, we want to invest in this. We're going to do whatever we can to make it work. And you guys really put that intention behind your relationship. Go ahead, tell everybody who's listening how long you guys have been together and give us the little brief overview of the, the life you and Kate have built. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not – there's – well, and, and I want to preface this by saying that, you know, relationships are not what, what you know, media or what we grow up as kids to believe. They're not perfect. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it does, like you talked about, there has to be intention behind what you're doing in a relationship. There has to be a, a high level of commitment. Uh, Kate and I, geez, we met, yeah, she was, oh, I think she was just wrapping up uh, high school. I was, I met her um, right as I was coming into town for my freshman year of college. And so we had met and we had kept our relationship going. And I think now we're 20 years deep uh, in, in time <laughs> together, which is hard to imagine. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Uh, and, and married for uh, uh, going on 13 years. So it's been a, it's been a trip. You know, you talk mm-hmm. about relationships, and I and I I don't want any of the marriage and family therapists out there to throw something at me because they know it better than I do. Um, <laughs> but there's certain things that you have to do or you have to be aware of, uh, I think, to make things work. Um, and some of those, you know, like you've, you know, Mitch, you probably talked about or heard about kind of the four deadly horsemen to marriages, relationships, um, mm-hmm. and really making sure that, you know, in in our relationships, we're not, you know, trying to be too defensive or we're not yep. emotionally stonewalling our partner, um, mm-hmm. you know, that we're not critical, overly critical. Um, and then we mm-hmm. don't hold, you know, uh, contempt for that. You know, we're not, we're not doing those types of things that, you know, research has shown can really kill a relationship. And yeah. I've done all those things, just to be honest. Like, those are things that <laughs> all, all of us do. So have I, my man. So have I. We all do. Yep. But, you know, I think it's just a, a, a general awareness of, you know, how can I be better? And then also, I think mm-hmm. just like just like you talk about whether it's marriages or friendships, there is a certain aspect where you own. I think we own, uh, in some ways, are responsible for the other person's happiness. We hold that in our hands, and that that I, you know, you don't control people at all in relationships, but you contribute to someone's happiness. So that investment, if it's there or if it's not, is going to impact that relationship, whatever relationship you're in, and you have to be cognizant of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you speak a lot to, we talk about these ideas. I do a lot of couples counseling. So people are probably, I don't know if I mentioned it right away that everybody knows we went to grad school together, but Joe's been a director of outpatient behavioral health, has been a lot of therapy, different settings over the years. So he knows what he's speaking to. And so when he talks about these, like the four deadly horsemen and stuff like that, they're legit. Their research, research proves this, you know, And, and so this stuff is really important. But there are also things that you nailed it. We all engage in at certain points. We're not perfect. We all make mistakes. But the idea of are we willing to look inward and reflect upon it? Are we willing to take ownership of my role in this? And it comes down to the idea of like, I'm not, when, when I get into conflict or arguments or whatever else with my partner or my friends, the things that I'm learning about them and about me, I'm not taking that stuff and stockpiling weapons to then use at a later date against my partner or against my friends when we get into a conflict, right? Because inevitably we will, we are going to get into conflict. We are going to get to points where we just absolutely cannot stand that person as much as we love them. 
or there's going to be things that we do that we hurt each other. It, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so the idea of like trying to learn and not, you know, hold contempt and not stonewall and not really pull weapons out of the back that I've been holding from previous arguments or previous fights that I can now bring forward to use against you. And that I think is an important one of conflict. You have to learn how to navigate conflict to stay in a long-term relationship or a friendship. It's conflicts are inevitable. We're humans. We, we are going to get into situations that we're just not going to agree. We're going to do things to hurt each other. And one of the big ones with conflict, I think, is the ability to not necessarily run from it, to understand that there is healthy conflict. Research shows us, too. You get into some stuff with your partner, it's good for your relationship. You can grow closer and you can learn from that. But one of the things you can't do is some of these, we talk about these ideas of the, the four kind of deadly horsemen. One of the things you can't do is this idea of contempt or I'm stockpiling things that I feel like you've done. So then when I've done something wrong, I pull that stuff back out. And now here we go. We're at war when ultimately this is the people or the person you love the most. You shouldn't be going to war with people. We should be learning and moving forward from conflict, not holding it till the next time comes up. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't, and I'll tell you too, Mitch, I'm not is, I feel like the oldest person in the world saying this, but I'm not as up to like some, with some of the lingo out there today, but that term, mm -hmm. um, maybe you've heard that term simp, that somebody's mm -hmm. being a simp. Uh, that a, that a guy is overly acquiescing to his uh, female partner, mm -hmm. um, and I mm -hmm. think that's kind of a dangerous territory to to call somebody a simp because there are certain aspects of any relationship where you do have to give and take, and it's not just the, sure. I'm going to take what I want. Uh, you know, I'm not Booker T in this thing. Uh, <laughs> Hulk Hogan back at SummerSlam, I'm I'm gonna <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh, um, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like there, there is, um, there is some give and take there and, and it's not, there's no shame in, in, in admitting when we're wrong and, and listening. Those are all really healthy traits, I think, to a relationship. Yeah. And I think it's okay to recognize, like, you're going to laugh at this when I say it, but you can be fucking piffed at your partner <laughs> in a relationship, right? Cause there, and, and that's absolutely valid and it's right. And it's, it's, you know, deservedly so. But even in those moments, you recognize your anger. We take space. We do all the things we need to do to get through the initial kind of like spikes of anger that we have. And then you learn and you try to grow from it. And none of us are as good as, as we like to think we are at doing so. And I think that to me is another really, really important part of long-term relationships. Don't necessarily believe that you're as good as you think you are at some of this shit. Like my, my conflict resolution skills, I'm a therapist. I can guarantee you I'm better as a therapist at helping others through their conflicts than I am at my own. That's just something I'll say straight up. It's been proven to me over and over again. It's something I'm working on. But the idea of like, I feel like I'm really, really good at this. And I got relationships figured out. And when we get into a conflict, if I'm super upset, I know how to handle it and I'm good to go. We're never that good. We never. need to humble ourselves when it comes to that shit. That's another part about it is like, how do you learn through conflict and grow and still stick to your guns, right? Like if you're upset or hurt, you need to speak to that, name that to your partner, but name it in a way that's like, this is, this is my lived experience with this. And I want you to know this. I'm not bringing up weapons from previous before because I'm not at war with you. We're in this together. I may dislike you incredibly right now. And, and I may not want to be around you for however long I need, but what I'm going to do when we do come back to this conversation is I'm going to try to explain to you my lived experience so that we can figure some shit out and move forward from it in a healthy way. Because there is a lot of learning that comes from conflict, and we know that. Well, it's a good point. And I think, you know, in a relationship over time, you learn what your partner needs. So, like, I can't, mm -hmm. you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm talking to my wife, if I'm talking to Kate, 
Um, and she's irritated. You know, I, I know, you know, being with her for as long as I've been, I know what buttons to push if that's what my intent is. I, I, but, you know, it's important. I know that sometimes she needs space or sometimes I need space uh, just to kind of process. And then, again, come back to the conversation and be assertive about mm-hmm. what her needs are while at the same time mm-hmm. balancing not blaming the partner for just communicating what is important to you and again helping them understand you know that's i think the most important thing you can do yeah absolutely and and so now we we kind of transition you mentioned it that idea of like what i need and what she needs i might need space she might need space whatever else speaks to another huge component i think of long-term relationships and and maintaining this love and this healthy relationship for the long term life is fucking rugged we know that it's hard to maintain long relationships it just is it's hard yeah. to maintain long friendships it is there's so many variables there's so much stuff going on human the experience is tough life is tough we got a lot of, of variables and dynamics at play so if you're going to keep relationships strong and they're going to be around for a long time you have to invest in them invest in them like we've talked about there has to be intention you have to be willing to handle conflict and learn through conflict and the other piece is you have to continue to foster your own independence and the independence of your partner under the umbrella of the relationship and this is you know you, we talk about it you know you're coming out to see me next weekend we made this commitment a long time ago to be able to continue to, to see each other we do a lot of guys trips ty was on last week we, we got a whole crew of friends that we have made very much uh, a mission to do guys trips, which is like a weekend away where we just go hang out. It might be LA, it might be Vegas. We might up and it might end up in Tijuana or Canada. We've done, you know, we've ended up in a lot of weirdo <laughs> places that we didn't expect to across the world, but it's because we've, we've fostered this independence amongst ourselves individually and with our partners. And if you're going to maintain a long-term healthy relationship, you have to continue to grow as your own individual person and have your own ind- independence and your own, things that you like to do, your own wants and needs, your own activities, and and support that and foster that with your partner too. We we do not lose ourselves when we when we get into relationships fully. We're not talking codependence here. We want to maintain our individuality and encourage that and foster that with our partner too. And I know you and Kate have done that and just on a general basis. I think that's a super, super important part. How do you trust your partner and love your partner and still say, hey, Go do this. You need it. You need the break. And ultimately, some space for a couple of days between the two of us. As much as I love you and I'll miss you, we know it's good for us in the long run. Yeah, I think all of us have personal needs. And whether, you know, there there are sometimes small things like, hey, honey, I'm going to go and work out the gym and I need that time and I need that space. Or I need 30 minutes to go read a book or just close my eyes. Or, hey, I need to go spend some time with close friends to just disconnect for a bit and kind of recharge because it's not just the aspect of family life. There's work life. There's different, you know, there's a juggling act for a lot of us and you do have to be able to stop and recharge in a way. Um, And that requires a level of trust that requires um, patience at times. And I think that, um, you know, really you, again, you know, that trust and ability to, just recognize that you know you don't you don't control every aspect of somebody's life too, uh, and that um, you know sometimes people get jealous if you if you go on a trip with friends or if you do those things, um, and I think it's just understanding that that's a healthy that can be a very healthy part of a relationship. Not every relationship, uh, you know, and maybe sometimes in, in a relationship there's an agreement that that's not okay, but both mm-hmm. partners have to be in line with yeah this is okay I'm good that I don't need this and we'll do something else. Um, sometimes that doesn't work. And so every relationship's Mm -hmm. a little different. Um, yeah. And and that's an important note. Not right or wrong. 
Yeah, we get to we get to decide. Like everybody gets to decide the parameters and what relationship looks like, what relationship even means, what marriage means, what any of that's the great thing about the the relationship piece is we have the agency to choose that. And so some people will be like, you know what? I don't I can grow individually and have my independence. And it doesn't mean I have to do any of the shit that you guys are talking about. I don't have to go on trips with my friends. I don't I find my peace from a walk around the park or from I get my energy from my partner and, and we're, you know, we're away during the day at work or we have other things going on. And and so that's the great thing about it is it doesn't necessarily have to look like the way you and I are talking about it or the way we craft our relationships. Right. But the idea of independence and fostering our own independence, if I continue to grow as an individual and, and independent Mitch and try to learn and, and be healthy and, and grow on my own individual ways, I can guarantee you I'm going to continue to grow and be a better partner to my, the person, my person, my partner, my friends, whoever we're talking about, because my self and the best version of myself is going to allow me to be the best version that I can be as a friend or as a partner. And I need the independence to learn and grow and, and the freedom to do that. And whatever that looks like, doesn't matter. It's just that's an important note, I think, of long-term relationships and how you stay healthy. No, 100%. And uh, the other side of it that we haven't talked about yet is, you know, the idea that in relationships, this happens far too often that people want to change their partner and they mm -hmm. want to make them different. Okay. And in sometimes in relationships, like there are certain aspects that I'm sure over 20 years that Caitlin said, Hey, Hey buddy. Hey Joe. Like <laughs> figures out like, this is not working. Or, like you, <laughs> I would really appreciate out. if you do something different and maybe not that cleanly <laughs> yeah. said, but, but you know, I, I, in order to change though, right, Mitch, and you know, this doing yeah. therapy, it takes a lot of effort to, yeah, it's a commitment to change. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, you and, have to want there. You have to have a desire to change in, in, in order to make that change. It's not going to happen for you. Right. And you think about like, this is a prime time beginning of the new year. You know this, you're out there pumping your biceps and doing your glamour muscle workouts at the <laughs> Only gym. Only glamour muscles all day, every day, baby. All day. You know, maybe sneak in a quick Romanian deadlift. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I got uh, the legs for that. <laughs> well, that's why you got to do Romanian deadlifts, dude. Uh, <laughs> Joe, if I could, I'd have you jump up on whatever stool you're sitting on and pop some quads and some calves right now. But <laughs> we'll save that for the next time you're on. <laughs> no, uh, all right, man. Sorry, we got off track with our, our glamour muscle stories here. No, but but I mean, to my point, like, okay, so you, so you know, because you, you're a guy that goes and takes care of yourself. That's part of your self-care. And when you go to the gym at the beginning of the year, what, what's it look like? It's it's loaded full of people, right? It's packed. Yeah. Okay. And packed. by the time you get to May, June, what's it look like? Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, lots of space. You can get on a lot of a lot of bench press bars and whatever else at that point. By, you you by can do your year, for sure. <laughs> you can do your squat <laughs> squat thrust. I can do my press. Romanian squats or Romanian whatever squats. Say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think the the thought behind that is these are people that at the before the new year they're really committed to saying hey. I want to make it, I want to make a change in my life. I'm, I'm at a point where I need to make my health better. And despite that motivation, people still fall off the map at some point. Mm -hmm. Like they, they have an intention and then we kind of revert back to our old ways. And so change yeah. is hard. And I think when we go mm -hmm. into relationships, especially we have to kind of reset or recalibrate what our expert expectation is because, you know, people don't change that easy, even when you really want it. You know, mm -hmm. and we, mm -hmm. we call things out on our partners all the time that we wish were different, but it, it's a hell of a movement, hell of a mountain to move to try to get somebody. To, you, you can't make anybody change. 
For sure. And I, you know what? I, I tell people all the time, like our defaults, think of how long they've been hardwired into our functioning, our behaviors. We don't even think about them. They're just there. And yeah. so, you know, when, when you, if you're in the Twin Cities, you hop on 94 and you drive between St. Paul and Minnesota or St. Paul and Minneapolis, and it's just what everybody does. And it's the easiest path. It's the path, unless traffic's just shitty, which it always is, but it's the easiest path between the two cities. Think of how hard it is to, to just completely start over and build from scratch, a new road between a dirt side street between those two cities and remind yourself that it's going to be worth it to take that new two lane shitty path versus jumping on the interstate. It takes constant work and constant focus. And you know what? When you're starting that change, a lot of times you're going to hop on 94 again and you're going to skip that little side street because it's too fucking hard to do it. But the more you do it, the more you do it, you consider it. And the more you consider it and it changes your behavior, now you just start to hop on there. And that's what the lasting piece is. But that speaks to just how hard it is to in, uh, to integrate new behavior change, new routines, especially when it comes to our defaults, which a lot of them are hardwired into us for, with relationships from our earliest experiences, what was modeled to us, how we saw our parents or our caregivers or our guardians interact, how we saw other adults interact when we were young. That stuff, attachment systems. We'll have a we'll have an episode about attachment systems at some point. But a lot of this stuff is essentially hardwired from our earliest days and our earliest experiences. And so to be aware of it and to acknowledge it and to really recognize it, super, super difficult. And if you can start to do that stuff with a really honest, authentic reflection and take the ego away and be like, you know what, that is some shit I need to change. I know that. For me, a lot of it is that emotion stuff, right? Like I do so much work in therapy. You do so much work in therapy supporting people that one of my biggest downfalls has been just an absolute like feeling exhausted with no real emotion to give and not a ton of, of empathy left. And and that's not an excuse. That's just something that I've developed. And that that stonewalling is something that I've had to work on myself where it's like, no, like that, figure the shit out, like start to work on it, change it. And the default is just to let that stuff slide, to go right back into that that kind of cave and that cocoon and and to keep those emotions away in relationships. But you have to be willing to put the ego away and put the work in and be willing to fail over and over and over again. And then subsequently learn from those failures over and over and over again until that new road is built. Yeah. Well, I think we're all kind of inclined to use the path of least resistance at times. And then yeah. we're going to go down that road. And we create mental shortcuts in our everyday life all the time that makes life more efficient. And unfortunately, we do those shortcuts in relationships, too, where it's maybe not beneficial to us or our partners. And it's that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that we've talked about is just the idea of, like, how do you stay stay intentional and stay connected when life gets busy and, and you guys have two little kids and stuff now? Life is busy and everybody has work and job and we're pulled in a million different directions and one of the things as we talk about just like learning and and getting better at some of the stuff is how do we find, how do we steal minutes away to give to our partner or to give to these relationships? All of us can find some some minor moments during the day or during the week, even if we don't feel like we can, that we can steal some time back with our partner. And I think that that's a really important one too. Everybody's busy. Life is is chaos. It's fucking crazy. And so when you can find little bits of time to steal back, I, I always look at this as the cumulative effect. And you've heard me say this before, Joe. So I was in a long-term relationship. We worked, we both worked at schools. And so because of just, we were at different schools, my partner had to get up earlier than I did, catch the bus. And then I would wake up a little bit later. By the time I got up, she was gone. So we didn't see each other in the morning. And then I was doing therapy at night. And so we would only see each other for a little bit in the evening. 
most days. And that got really hard on us. It was tough. And I think anybody can relate to that when you have kids and work and sports and this and that, like you don't have a ton of time always. And so in that situation, just one of the ways that I was, we were trying to think, how can we steal some time together so we don't feel so disconnected? And one of them for me was the idea of like, well, if she wakes up before I do, I'm only getting up like 20 minutes after her and I'm driving to work and she's taking the bus to, to her work. I started waking up a half hour earlier. And then what I did is I just started driving her to work and it was close enough. We were fortunate and privileged enough that we lit, that we worked not that far away. It was like 20 minutes to her work. And then I could drive and be at my work in 20 minutes to a half hour. But so me getting up a half hour earlier, we now had that extra half hour together in the morning. And then this like 10 minute drive, 15 minute drive to her work before I dropped her off. Didn't seem like much. It's like 15, 20 minutes, half hour tops every morning. And we're pretty much completely tired and, and out of it. But you know what? Add that shit up and think of how much value you get out of that. So roughly, I don't know, two to two and a half hours additional time together a week over the course of a year, that probably equals out to, I suck in math, but probably like two, let's say two weeks of extra time together that just from stealing those minutes in the morning. They didn't take a lot of change. It wasn't anything super, super like big to our schedule. But if my boss came to me and said, well, previously when I had bosses, if they came to me and said, yo, Mitchell, I'm going to give you two weeks of time. Go spend that with your partner. Do whatever you want with it. Everybody would be like, holy shit. Yes. Best thing ever. I can spend two weeks with my partner. And I think most of us, we try really, really hard, whether it's something, a situation like I explained or something else, I bet we could find enough minutes each week to equal up to like two additional weeks of vacation with our partner if we try really hard. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mitch, that goes back to the idea of intentional time, right? Um, yeah. And you know, it doesn't matter if you work for yourself, if you work for the man or whoever, whoever you're working <laughs> for, <laughs> I hate to use that term, but you know, the, you know, the idea that we all, we all have a boss in some way, we all are bound to the work that we do. Um, yeah. But you know, they do also a lot of research too that says that, you know, at the end of people's lifespans, you know, they're not sitting, you know, some of the biggest regrets that people have are not spending that time with the people that they love so much. It's not about, no, man, no. I wish I would have put extra hours in or I would have done more of this. It really is about, gosh, I, I missed out on carving out time with the people I care about. Um, mm -hmm. And even if it's five minutes, like you said, or, or it's an extra 30 minutes on a drive, that's time together that, you know, is is invaluable. I think in a, in a lot of our lives, sure. where time is finite. Yeah, for sure. You put, you give you uh, each night when you guys, when, when you get into bed with your partner or at some point during the evening or during the day, when you see your partner, if you say, you know what, for the next month, we're going to track every single day. We're going to give ourselves five minutes that we're just going to connect. doesn't matter when, doesn't matter what it looks like. We're going to give ourselves five minutes and we're going to track it every day and see how well we do. I guarantee you every, every relationship, every couple can do that. And then they're going to see, you know, I, we, we scored an extra half hour together this week. What does that mm -hmm. equal out to? You will start to feel that additional hours start to build up. It's just, and, and you may not do anything with those five minutes, but what does it speak to you and to your partner? This matters. This is intention. This is us putting each other first, even if it's for five minutes and tracking it and being able to visually see it. I tell you what, if that five minutes consists of a hug and a holy shit, here's everything that went off the rails with my day or your day, and I love you, and you give a kiss, and you go to bed, or you move on, and you make dinner, it doesn't matter. But if every, I guarantee you that that's a strategy that it seems so small, five minutes, that over the course of the first two weeks, you're like, hey, we just scored an extra hour together. I tell you what, that's good. 
I always look at it as work because work is such a huge part of our lives, right? People are like, oh, work, work, work. I can't do this because of work, because of work. If your boss gives you an hour this week and says, do whatever you want with it, you're gonna tell your you're gonna tell your spouse or your partner that that happened. You'll be like, holy shit, Joe just gave me an hour off this week, said do whatever you want. How great. So we have to take that same kind of focus and intention and put that towards our relationships. And I know that it can help people stay connected and stay more intentional and compliments the little things, it's the small racks that keep us together because that's what makes us feel loved and valued by our partner. Yeah. No, right, exactly. And your partner definitely knows when you're not present, right? So, I mean, yeah, you're talking no about doubt. intentional, I am here in the here and now with you. Um, yeah, for sure. And you bring up, you bring up a really good point too. And, and I'm fortunate in my work. Um, I get, I get to work with a great team of people at a not-for-profit healthcare center. And we have, I have a team of just over a hundred folks and, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a privilege to get to work with people that care about and are dedicated to mental health and behavioral health. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what they're set out to do too. But thinking about you know, from a leadership perspective too, I, I have zero qualms with people taking, using the maximum amount of their earned time, making their yeah. family a priority first, because that's, in the end, that's what matters most. Um, and work will always be there. It, it's never gonna sure. stop. It's like laundry, mm. it, and I hate laundry, but it's, <laughs> it's always gonna be there. Um, so so find uh, the time, carve, carve that time out so you can enjoy it with people. Um, yeah. And I, I really do think we're at this kind of tipping point too, in the workforce and the way that leadership is looked at where it is, it used to be, I think, you know, when my, when our dads grew up, Mitch, I'm certain that leadership is very transactional. You do mm -hmm. this for me, I will pay you and that's it. And there's so mm -hmm. much more focus today on, you know, building, you know, building those relationships with your employees, mentoring them, mm -hmm. helping them become the best version of themselves in this part or, you know, section of their life. And then encouraging them to enjoy their life too with their loved ones. Um, yeah, I don't think life is always like that, but that is the trend and the direction I think we're going, which is a good thing. I hope so. I, I agree with you, and I, I hope so. And I think research shows, and I think we all can can relate to this. The happier I am with other parts of my life, the more in harmony and the more in balance my life is. The more I'm able to give myself to my relationships and my interests and the things that bring me joy. I will be a better employee. I will work more effectively. I will be more efficient. I will do all of these <clears> things if I'm able to take the time to do the other stuff that matters to me. And so, Joe, we're on the we're on the absolute same page when it comes to a lot of this stuff. This is not a one-part conversation that we're going to have. We're going to have multiple conversations about relationships. JoJo is going to be on the show a lot. I got to always talk about you know all of these things that you and I have been through as humans and everybody goes through as humans, but also some of the shit that you and I know from the work that we do and the, the experiences that we see. So there's no doubt that, that Joe will be back on. And I hope that the stuff that we're talking about today is helpful for people. There's nothing earth shattering here, right? Like nobody's coming up with like a brand new theory on relationship development out of nowhere, right? But this is the stuff that I think are the small rocks that actually really matter, right? There's a lot that can go off the rails of relationships, but there's a lot that we can do to really stay healthy and stay connected. And Joe, you're living proof of it with your relationship. Our friendship is living proof of it. And, and I think that there's a lot here that we can expand upon in other uh, subsequent podcasts together. We're gonna cover a lot of other topics. But before I let you go, cause I know it's getting late back in Iowa right now, Jojo, is I'm gonna run you through the gauntlet, baby. Yeah. I'm gonna ask you 10 things, all right? You know this, you saw I, okay. this, you saw this entire episode. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Too bad, dude. We're bringing the heat, okay? And so these are going to be good. I'm stoked to hear your answers to this. The whole world, everybody, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, 
they're not only watching you right now, JoJo, they're going to get a glimpse into how your brain works when we want to ask you these. Okay, you ready? Well, I feel bad for anybody listening to this, but yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> do it. give it a shot. All right, I'm going to bring I'm bringing this shit to you. All right, Joe. First one, Brittany or Christina? Christina. Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera? Christina, you know that. Come on. You know <laughs> I me knew for you were going to say that. You know that. <laughs> you, you love the dirty phase. Remember that? Well, <laughs> yeah, and the genie phase and whatever else. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Christina, okay. Yeah. Christina, All right. Christina, so, Christina, Christina yeah, me, gets hold, the big hold, hold, hold on. You got time here for a second because you're, you're yeah, putting me yeah, – uh, you're, you're interrogating me now. I'm going to have to grab another beer here, and I'll finish my discussion with you here. Ten questions. Yeah. Okay, so Christina, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Christina. Okay, no, no, so you popped another beer. There. Dude, I brought the heat after one question enough to get you to pop your second beer. I like that shit. You're, you're getting me all all anxious here. I, I'm trying to deal with it. <laughs> not the best way to deal with it. Uh, the best part is that, you know, your family is going to watch this. You know, Kate's going to watch this. You know, all of our friends are watching this shit. Yeah, well, well, she, she knows now. It's it's uh, okay. it, it's the dirty face. All right, uh, the dirty face it is. All right, JoJo, Leo or Brad Pitt? Oh, why you gotta do that to me? <laughs> Those who don't know, JoJo watches a gang of movies. He loves them. He knows a lot about them. But these are two of his favorite favorite actors. And so yeah. this is some shit, Joe. This is tough. Yeah, I mean, you know. Dude, I, that's a hard. That's a hard freaking question to answer. Um, yeah, especially when you, you know, know that they're going to listen or watch this episode. You're going to get some hate mail from oh, I'm one sure, of them. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, how can you not go with with Nardo? I mean, you know, that's a tough. Right. That's, that's a tough thing. I mean, but I tell you, when when Pitt shines, he shines. So, well, I, I, but I'm still going to go the 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 breadth of that. Uh, you know, and geez, The Parted's probably one of my favorite movies. So, yeah, right. dude, you love that movie. All right, we'll give you Leo on that one. All right, next one. Favorite bar in the Twin Cities? When you came oh. up to visit me a lot, and my friends, and our friends, and everybody there, your favorite bar in the Twin Cities? Ah, uh, this is also a nightmare question to ask. Uh, <laughs> they only many. get harder from here, baby. Okay, favorite favorite bar in the Twin Cities. Okay, do no, no, Can you put some guide rails on this? Do I have to be? Can I? Am I staying in like the Twin Cities? Like in in the main yeah, Minneapolis to St. Paul. Minneapolis to St. Paul. Oh man, I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's close. It's debunked, but the wild onion was too, too much of a good time. And, uh, you know, there's no way that I can say anything other. It's, it was a great time and it actually closed at a good time in our, in our like lifespan. It's like, yeah, it's good that this is closed now. Our time had run out at the onion for sure. So I'm glad it closed as sad as it was. I'm glad it closed when it did. Yeah. I mean, they can only serve me 20 mimosas every Sunday (laughs) until they had to go bankrupt. So. Yeah, it was time. It was time for everybody to move on from that place, for sure. It was done. Uh, shit. All right, JoJo. This one's going to be really tough for you, too. Joe's a big music guy as well. This one's yeah. going to hit him right where it hurts. JT or Pharrell? Pharrell. Okay, yeah. I, I, it's a clean one. He's, he's, just, he's adapted, right? Like, he's he is uh, – he, he transcends – He also looks like he's day. 25. Yeah, <laughs> I, want, like I want some of that, whatever that's going yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. All right, Joe, this one might be the toughest one of all of them, but you're going to have to come up with at least one or two or something. Okay. Favorite trip that you and I have been on. Joe and I have been on hundreds of trips over the years, all over. So what pops fair. your mind right away? Favorite favorite one that you can think of instantly? Well, well, I don't know if this is favorite, but I'll never forget looking at your face when I'm driving a rental car into Tijuana, Mexico, from <laughs> California. That was interesting. Uh 
That was terrifying. And, uh, uh, you thought the look on my face was bad? You should have saw the look on your face when you were driving that fucking thing. White knuckling, white knuckling through whatever roundabout. That was the largest roundabout. I mean, somebody will yeah. know what this, what we're talking about, but this is the mm-hmm. largest roundabount I've ever seen or at least ever driven <laughs> on. Um, was that my favorite moment? No, just sticks out out of fear. Um, yeah, I figured I mean, that would be one. You and I have had um, some excellent trips together. Chicago is a really good trip I can think of right before the pandemic. That was an incredibly yeah. fun, great trip together. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, back you we pull back. I mean, Las Vegas, the old day, the lost days. You know, the you know, yeah, the lost the, days of Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah for sure. Are, we got stuck in Margaritaville, and you know, that was that's its own story. But uh, yeah, for sure, we've been on a lot of trips. And you know what? Tijuana, Mexico, absolutely beautiful. Once we got in, like it was, it was great. It was absolutely people were beautiful. Everything was beautiful. But holy shit, was that chaos when we first crossed the border and had no idea what we were getting into. But, but no, here, here, the best trip. Those are all crazy times. But probably my favorite moment or favorite trip was when we went to. I think it was one of the first times we went out to California, Santa Monica, and Venice. Mm-hmm. And you and I just mm-hmm. hung out and uh, we spent some time at the Yale House. And uh, and just had a it was beautiful weather that that sticks out that was one of the best times ever yeah for sure and sometime we'll get into uh, we'll tell the story of the time we uh, us two and our friends flew out to uh, to L A and just bought an RV on the beach and drove it all the way back to St Paul so we'll get into that story on the next episode too oh yeah no, that was <laughs> all a great right, Joe, Joe. that was excellent uh, okay this one's gonna be tough I I really loaded up on you here these are tough ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicago Cubs or Iowa Hawkeyes? Oh man, <laughs> you're wearing a Cubs hat. So I'm wearing a Cubs hat, and I'll tell you what. You know, in the spirit of Valentine's Day week, you have to be fucking romantic to love <laughs> the Chicago Cubs. You have to love baseball, and you have to love something that never gives back to you except for every hundred years. So no, I'm going to say Chicago Cubs. There's just oh. I love baseball, and and the Cubs, uh, they get my heart. So. And it was great. I got to watch you see them win a World Series. The tears streaming down your face. You talk about love. You talk about heartbreak. Man, you you've had a long relationship with the Cubs. So I'll give you I'll give you that one. Yeah, I love the Hawks. Uh, I mean, don't right. get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> love them. Cubs are it though. Okay. All right. Uh, Winona or Lacrosse? Joe and I went to school with Winona. I lived in Winona. We lived in Lacrosse. We grew a lot in Lacrosse. Winona or Lacrosse, Joe? Mississippi River. Which town are you going with? Oh man. Well, again, in the spirit of Valentine's Day and roots of things, I'll have to say Winona just out of principle because that's where we met and we we forged a friendship. Um, God dang it, lacrosse was a great time. Like that, <laughs> that's probably the most fun. Lacrosse is more fun. Winona was probably okay. more important. Lacrosse is more fun. All right, Jojo, that's good. That's good. All right, we got we got two left. <laughs> okay. Favorite memory slash experience for you. Dancing on a boat in a horse head in the middle of the the ocean or basically dancing shirtless in the middle of a bunch of rave kids at movement in Detroit. Which one do you think is better? Well, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say probably the the better choice and it seems ridiculous is probably dancing at a rave and movement. No one's going to hurt you. A boat boat's tricky. You can fall off that boat and get, No, so I'm going to say uh, movement for sure. Not even. Can you do any of the dance that you did with the big horse head on, with shirtless at the? <laughs> we'll, we're gonna we're gonna save that for episode 56. Uh, yeah. 
I'll find the video of it and really blow everybody's brains out when I when I show them that video for sure. <laughs> oh God, please don't find that. Uh, all right, Joe, Joe. So the last one, the most important one, my friend, Iowa or Wisconsin? I mean, you know what I love about Wisconsin is that when you do this, you can actually do it with you know like two two fingers that look like you know loser sign. Uh, which i which i appreciate no no come on dude are you serious i will and with that with that we're gonna kick him off the show just like we did the tie last week wrong answer get his ass out of here that's it joe you did really well you did really well until you failed the last question and you fucking failed him and you failed it miserably baby (laughs) so we love you joe dude thanks for coming on uh had a soup had a super good time tonight what a blast we hang out we drink a couple beers we're going to do this regularly, man. I love it. We've had a, a great episode. I hope for people. I hope it was helpful. And, dude, I love you. I'll see you in, like, seven days. We're going to go nuts here in Colorado and have a blast. Hopefully people who are watching this, if you see us next weekend, say what up. And, JoJo, thanks for coming, man. I'll see you soon, okay? Hey, Mitch, thanks so much, buddy. I love you, man. Can't wait to see you next week. All right, man. Everybody listening on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're watching your podcast, thanks for coming. It's Mox, and I'm out. Yeah.